and welcome into 910 AM Superstation. We are live. We are live today at the Detroit Grand Prix in downtown Detroit. Excited to be here. Uh, we're broadcasting from the Renaissance Center. We've got a bunch of race cars uh, running around us in circles uh, in a 1.7-mile track. I'm joined by uh, Robin Warner. A uh, good friend of the program, my co-host today, and uh, and uh, you can find Robin, of course, at Robin Warner uh, YouTube channel, and uh, we're going to be broadcasting right up until the um, the Detroit Grand Prix at three o'clock uh, today. Uh, IndyCar boys uh, uh, coming downtown for the first time in a long time. We're joined by Jim Campbell, who is a vice president for GM Performance. And Motorsports, Jim, how are you? I'm doing great, Henry. Robin, great to see you. And uh, welcome uh, to our world headquarters here. <laughs> and uh, circling this uh, building of ours is amazing, 1.7-mile, nine-turn track. And it's great to have you guys here. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really exciting to be here. Of course, we've been out of Belle Isle for a number of years. Uh, fantastic track out there, uh, a great legacy. Uh, but it was time to do a little something uh, different. Uh, you work down here every day, Jim. What, what's it like having a racetrack going around your headquarters? It's wonderful. It's our dream. <laughs> it's absolutely incredible. We, of course, love performance and racing, so uh, that that makes us really happy. And you know, uh, we did love our time in Belle Isle, and uh, but to bring uh, this this race back to the streets of Detroit, uh, as it was, you know, for many years, uh, you know, three dec- over three decades ago, uh, was really special to do it. And, um, you know, it allows our employees to really get energized about it for sure. But also uh, the community, it's, it's a very accessible race. You don't have to take a bus. Uh, you don't have to walk across the bridge. You can just come right, here up, to, right up to the racetrack. And about half of the track, as you know, is uh, it's free access. And all the, all the grandstands are available for purchase at different points around the track. And uh, so there's a lot of great options. Well, that's what's amazing about this place is that here we are, in the mainland, we're no longer no longer on an island, and yet we still have just as many riverfront views, just as many interesting access points with the water in the background. It's it's really been put together in such a way to just celebrate the Detroit riverfront and the downtown Detroit area. Yeah, I love those helicopter shots, and you know people talk often about Monaco, and Monaco certainly looks like it's beautiful. I've never been, but it looks beautiful. I think Detroit looks beautiful and you know we're not monaco we're detroit and i love i love that riverfront i love the city streetscape and then this racetrack going around the rent is is wonderful jim the uh, uh the inspiration uh, for this track was uh, nashville i think i think uh the the penske folks went down there for the national race and said wow this this really transforms uh, a, a downtown uh, but it's tricky. I mean, Belle, Belle Isle, you talk to the drivers, Belle Isle's an island. The, uh, the the streets tend to be more open there. You come to a downtown track like this, and you're on gridded streets. And uh, talk about that challenge, about bring, bringing cars, 200-mile-an-hour cars, and putting them onto the same streets that yeah. we drive every day. Well, it's, it's a challenge that we see, you know, anywhere the street circuits are created. Uh, obviously, Long Beach is one of them, St. Pete, Toronto to name a few, and, and obviously NASCAR is going to go do it in Chicago. So uh, it does it does provide some uh, unique challenges for sure. It's it's tighter track. It's a little bit narrower for sure, a little more technical, uh, but um, but it's not unusual in street street circuits. And so it's going to, uh, you know, the, the drivers are going to have to really uh, be on their, on their game to not only get the speed they need, but really maneuver this tight uh, track with their competitors and, and see, we'll see who gets to the front right now. And IndyCar uh, and qualifying. There's there's uh, five Hondas, five Chevys. It's gonna be it's gonna be a shootout for sure. Yeah, it should be a, a, a wild race. And 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 Robin, the the um, 
You know, Jim. Jim's the head of uh, not just uh, the IndyCar uh, program, but all of uh, GM performance. And, and this is a pretty busy uh, weekend for you. You're 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 here. You're you got a NASCAR race and big presence overseas at Le Mans with Cadillac and Chevy for the first time. Yeah, well, we we we've certainly been busy between Indy last weekend and uh, Coke 600 and NASCAR, and then obviously Detroit Grand Prix here and NASCAR Cups running in St. Louis today. Uh, the Xfinity Series ran in Portland, and so uh, and then right now we do have our three Cadillacs over at Le Mans. They're practicing today, uh, as you said, in the hyperclass uh, category. It's the top class, and then Corvette in the GTE amateur class. And then we've got uh, an unclassified unit called Garage 56. It's a it's a NASCAR Camaro Z01 that's running over there. So we're, we're we have uh, one eye here on the racetrack here in Detroit, and one eye on what's going on in the practice over at Le Mans. They're both important. So. It's going to be fun. <laughs> you know a little about, about this Garage 56 car? I love Garage 56. <laughs> yeah. Just to have that, like, experimental, doesn't quite fit yeah. into the rule books yet. We still want to see it run kind of setup. And I, I think that's just a beautiful thing that Lamar does. And it's awesome to see Camaro. Uh, the Camaro nameplate be a part of that. Yeah, it is. And, and uh, you know, Pierre Fion, who runs the ACO, the sanctioning body for the 24 Hours of Lamar, along with Jim France, who runs uh, IMSA and, and NASCAR, they got together and, and uh, came to an agreement on this. It's pretty special. And so we partnered up with uh, NASCAR, uh, Rick Hendrick, uh, Hendrick Motorsports, Goodyear, and Chevy to prepare. And we want to go over there and, and run that uh, in a very credible way. So we've been putting a very serious effort to make sure we've got the right speed and we've got the right endurance. And that's the way we're doing it. Um, today, I just got a word, and I see Jim Brumfield here. Um, the reaction to, of the fans are at the track at Le Mans, that Camaro Z01 has been unbelievable and that real throaty, you know, uh, V8 power. <laughs> and they, they love it. The reaction's been great and the speeds have been really good. They've been right in the kind of the GT class speed. So, uh, anyways, long ways to go before the race. But right now, here in Detroit, um, they're running the uh, IndyCar next, I think, is probably just finishing up here in a few minutes. And then uh, we're off and running with an IndyCar race uh, after that this afternoon. That's going to be fantastic, Jim. Uh, we really appreciate your, your joining us. I know you've got a busy day down here, but uh, good luck to Chevrolet this afternoon. Good luck all month over at Le Mans as well as in St. Louis. That's great. And on behalf of everybody at GM, it's a team effort. Uh, many, many people are involved in uh, performance in motorsports and uh, a lot of pride by all of our employees. Uh, many of them will be down here cheering our uh, products on and our teams on. Yeah, thanks. Thanks very much. Thank you. We, 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 uh, we, we, we have a full uh, program uh, for you today, uh, all, all kinds of uh, great guests coming by. We might Everybody get a... wants the air conditioning. They want to come join us. <laughs> yes, it's a little different uh, here in the uh, down here in the Rensen as opposed to being out in the casino uh, porch like we used to uh, do this program at uh, Belle Isle. But we're going to we're going to get a visit from Stingray Rob, one of the IndyCar drivers. We're also going to talk with uh, Scott McLaughlin. And uh, Marcus Armstrong, couple uh, IndyCar uh, drivers. So hopefully we'll get some Trans Am, some Indy Next guys coming through here. Uh, but we also want to. We also have in the house Kevin Fu, who's the vice president uh, for Honda Performance, and he's the other piece of this Chevy Honda rivalry that's taking place uh, on the streets in IndyCar. Kevin, how are you? I'm good. How you doing? Doing doing good. And and. Uh, um, I mean, is there you know, is there anything to choose between Honda and Chevy on these streets? I think it's awfully close. I mean, yeah. you look at the qualifying, you look at the practice. It's just between you know all the teams are are trading spots. So I think you know both the Honda and Chevy have brought you know the best they can to to the race, and we're we're looking forward to uh, we're looking forward to the race coming up. Uh, Robert, uh, Robin, you've been hanging out in the. Uh, You've been hanging out in the uh, the pits over there with I have. Uh, 
with Honda. It's a pretty exciting place, actually. I mean, this is the only dual pit lane in, in IndyCar. I mean, that's that, I, that may be where the action is today. <laughs> that, that is something, yeah. It's interesting. You know, there's uh, different spots where you can see different parts of the track, and the particular spot where I've been watching, it's pits first, then the straightaway after that, and you think, oh, that's a bummer. But then you see the split pits and the fact that you're going effectively from four lanes down to one, at the end, you're like, actually, this might be <laughs> this might be the most exciting part in certain places. And it's going to be really interesting to see how strategy plays a role there. And if, if pit stop timing really gets critical. Yeah, I, I think, you know, one thing you got to give credit for IndyCar, right now, for trying a lot of different things. I think, like Jim said, bringing the race back into downtown Detroit. I mean, I grew up in Toledo. I remember coming up in the 80s for the F1 races and, and the car races. It was amazing down here. So I'm super excited to see it kind of coming back here. Back where it all started, and then with the split pits, it, it's going to be fascinating. We we are, you know, waiting to see what happens. I think the drivers, like, again, it's IndyCar, it's a driver series in many ways, and you're waiting for the drivers to, you know, kind of watch out for each other, but also, you know, they're all going to be fighting for the for that, that top position. So, you know, hats off to IndyCar for really trying something innovative and different. And Kelvin, uh, I was looking um, going into the braking zone of turn eight. You switch from asphalt to concrete and then in about a yard or two you get an expansion joint and then immediately after that sets your braking zone and i thought man oh man that just epitomizes the challenge that the drivers and the engineers are dealing with here in detroit payment change expansion joint braking zone all effectively on top of each other and then of course they're going to be racing each other that's going to be a passing zone as well there's a lot to manage there's a lot to look at yeah i I think that's also you know, why IndyCar is probably the most diverse and in some ways complex series in the world. You've got, like last week, we're, at, we're hitting 240 miles an hour going around Indy. And this week, you're, you're going to get nowhere near that, but you've got this incredibly complex technical course that the drivers and engineers have to figure out, right? So one time is all aero, power. Now it's drivability, dampers, suspension. Like, how do you handle all these different surfaces? And the best drivers and the best engineers are going to, you know, I'm going to show how it's done here. Yeah, no, it was interesting at the at the press conference yesterday with uh, some of the drivers, and they were talking about uh, how much how much this is a mechanical track. I mean, they're not getting a lot of uh, downforce here, just the nature of the track. I mean, it's, they're really they're it's a big go kart yeah. uh, race uh, to some of these guys. You know, uh, you, you talk about the history of this race, this extraordinary history uh, for the Detroit Grand Prix going back to the 1980s, and a lot has changed uh, in, in uh, for Honda in in those uh, 50 years. 40 years uh, since since the the 1980s. I mean, you, you guys have a huge uh, Midwest presence, uh, huge United States presence. We we know Chevy. We know the the, the importance of General Motors to this country and, and to this region. Uh, but but Honda performance. Uh, this is uh, the United States is a big deal for you guys. Yeah, for Honda, we started you know back in the 60s, kind of coming over and importing small motorcycles. And I think in the 80s, I remember it. You know, growing up in, in Ohio. You know, when Honda moved into Marysville near Columbus and then established manufacturing, established uh, engineering presence there. Our headquarters are still out in L.A., but we do have a massive Midwest presence. And mid, mid-Ohio is kind of our home race where when we go there, like, there's a, there's a, we pass out. I'm sure GM does the same thing, thousands of tickets. There's a massive Honda presence. There's a lot of pride, you know, in having that kind of presence in, in the Midwest and building 
uh, accords and all of our uh, all of our ridgelines in the United States. So you know, I, I know that in some ways, you know, we're still known for Hondas and Civics, but we also have all these SUVs and a pickup truck we're, we're bringing to the United States also. Yeah, well, and and, and uh, you know, Robin, we got to get Acura. Over to uh, to Le Mans. We got we got the cat, cat, we got Cadillac and Chevy over there. Yeah. Yep. So uh, we got to get uh, we got to get a, uh, Acura and Honda over there. Uh, like I said, I'm going to bum a ride on uh, with Jim over there. Pretty soon. Um, you know, I, I think you know we've been HBD is responsible for North American racing. You know, we're in in uh, IMSA and we're in IndyCar. Those are two pinnacle series that we race for Honda and Acura. And uh, you know, we're we're talking to. Uh, to the home office at Honda Motors, and you know we're we're watching what happens. We're wishing the best of luck to to the Cadillac over there. We're we're hoping the LMDH guys do well against the hypercar guys, and uh, you know we're 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 hoping like that we can make it happen. Yeah. Well, if you need an endorsement, Kelvin Henry and I are here. We're happy to. Yeah. yeah. I'll make sure to uh, to, to let them know that. <laughs> yes, because we, we taught you. I mean, IndyCar, I mean, just the three tracks we talked about here. I mean, the, the Indianapolis 500, uh, the Detroit Grand Prix in Mid-Ohio. I mean, th- three incredibly different tracks. And and uh, and then we also have uh, this, this IMSA series that you guys are going head-to-head in uh, here. Jim uh, Campbell's still with us. I mean, what, what, you know, what, what's your initial impressions of this prototype class where you have Acura, Cadillac, BMW, Porsche all going at it? Yeah, I would just say that um, I mean, this is a very special time in sports car racing. Uh, we have so many manufacturers here at IMSA in this LMDH platform class. Of course, Acura is there along with Cadillac and Porsche and others. Uh, and then you have the hypercar class happening over in kind of mainly in the in, in Europe, and 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 yet we're going to be able to race together. And and we get to Le Mans, there'll be something like 14 different manufacturers over there in this top class. It's going to be a very special time. Uh, there was a race here not too long ago in Spa, uh, and the crowds that came out to see this battle in this top class were incredible. And so I, I think it's a special, very special time. We love racing against each other uh, in in IMSA and IndyCar. Uh, Calvin and, and uh, with the Honda team and, and our Chevy team, uh, and uh, and also in uh, you know in IMSA as well as IndyCar. So we we love it. Yeah. Well, Jim, uh, Calvin, really appreciate you guys uh, stopping by. Busy day for you guys, and uh, good luck this afternoon. May the best man win. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Henry. Thanks, Robin. Thanks, Bud. All right, we're going to take a break here. Hear from our advertisers, and on the other side, more live 9:10 a.m. at the Detroit Grand Prix. Hey, Detroit, listen up. Dave-O has got an unforgettable Juneteenth celebration on June 17th from noon to 6 p.m. at Grand River in Livernois. And believe us when we say you won't want to miss it. There are going to be tons of family-friendly activities. We're talking face painting, bounce houses, hustle lessons, bingo, spades, food trucks, and much more. But that's not all. They've got a DJ and live performances by the Omawale Dancers. Amor Shanae at 313, the live experience. Don't wait. Grab your free ticket today at www.davodetroitinc.com. WADL gets a facelift and is now My 38 Detroit. Along with a facelift comes new programming on Mondays at 8 p.m. Catch a two-hour block of Law & Order SVU. Tuesdays, Chicago Fire. Wednesdays, Dateline. More Dateline and Chicago PD on Thursdays and on Fridays. You'll get more Chicago PD to start your weekend. We'll still have some of your favorite shows like Mom, Blackish, and Friends. Just adding more for you to enjoy on My 38. 
The Word Network has been broadcasting inspirational messages around the world since the year 2000. And we keep getting bigger and better and more innovative. Seen all around the world, we bring you the best teaching, impartation, singing, and inspiration. If you want original programming, we have that too. The Word Network is your exclusive source for all things inspiration. And we can be found on every device imaginable. If you want to be uplifted and inspired, you need The Word Network. Do you have an idea for an invention or new product? Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Then call InventHelp now. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential and explains every step of the invention process. We create professional materials representing your idea and submit it to companies who are looking for new ideas. We have more than 9,000 companies who have agreed to review ideas in confidence. If a company shows interest in manufacturing your invention, we can negotiate on your behalf. We have helped over 10,000 clients receive patents. We also offer services including 3D modeling and animation demonstrating your idea, prototyping services, and we use state-of-the-art technology to show InventHelp client ideas to additional companies. Join the thousands of people just like you who chose InventHelp to pursue their idea. We are experienced. We are working for you. We are InventHelp. Call us for free information at 1-800-460-1663. That's 1-800-460-1663. Again, 1-800-460-1663. 63. My 38 is offering a great special that cannot be refused. Are you looking for a great deal on TV advertising? Are you searching for an avenue to get your business name out to the public? With My 38, we are offering a great special with 100 commercial ads for a great price. This offers for a 30-day ad placement. Please contact Devin C. for more information at 248-357-4566 or email at d.calhoun at thewordnetwork.org. This excludes political ads. Superstation, we are live down at the uh, Detroit Grand Prix broadcasting today from the Renaissance Center. I'm Henry Payne, auto columnist for the Detroit News, joined by Robin Warner, my uh, riding shotgun uh, with me today. You can find him at Robin Warner uh, uh, YouTube channel. We're joined now by John Watson, uh, famed Formula One driver who, uh, who uh, won the first race here. Is that correct, John? Back in 1982. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking back, that's 41 years ago. And we came to Detroit. It was the first Detroit Grand Prix. Uh, and it was, it was a, just in an area of Detroit that was about to go through what all the redevelopment that I've now realized in the previous 40 years has taken place. So the, the track then was very much a, a street track following the various the matrix layout of the streets of Detroit. We also went through a tunnel, which was one of the novelties, which I think is great. And um, on that race, uh, I started mid to back of the pack. And bit by bit by bit, I found myself going quicker than the rest of my competitors. And I ended up leading the race and ultimately won the race. And on that day, um, it gave me my fourth World Championship Grand Prix victory. I was delighted because it was a race that I didn't anticipate winning. But I didn't have maybe the view that, oh, because I was far back in the grid, I couldn't win. And I think that's one of the factors today. There will be a number of people who might be, they would consider out of position on the grid, 
But I would say, don't worry about it. It's a long race. Keep out of trouble. Don't make any mistakes. Hit your marks all the time. And fate sometimes can just play you a kind hand of cards. And you could stand on the winner's podium today. Yeah. And do you look at it, at this? it's 41 years ago, as you said, and yet I wonder if you look at this track and do see a lot of similarities to what you saw all those years ago. The, the nature of this course is there more similarities than differences than what you raced? I think the fundamental differences are not great. Uh, the original circuit that I ran on in 82 was, uh, I think, 2.45 miles. Then in 83, there was a, an adjustment, slightly shorter. They took out one little segment of the circuit. And the, the big difference is that they're not going through a tunnel. But otherwise, in essence, it's a road track, a street track in North America. And obviously, it, it's a natural surface, the surfaces are uneven in places, which is as a challenge then for the drivers as well as the engineers. But the track is a living thing, and as the circuit gets more and more and more use, beginning on Friday, I suspect the track had not a great deal of grip, but with more and more rubber going down, and there's a variety of rubbers being used here this weekend, the track will get better and better and better. And the kind of observations, comments the drivers would have had maybe after their initial run by the time they finished the Grand Prix, they were saying, well, actually, you know, the track was, we got more bite or we got more grip or the dynamics of some of the corners will even have changed because they'll be getting quicker. And that then gives you the feeling, if I can push that a little bit further, I can maybe make up some more ground. So the essence, is, the essence of what I had in 82 to where we are today is the same. But the detail, of course, is different. Of course, yeah. You, you, uh, some, some pretty famous names were in that race uh, back in 1982, and, and I believe uh, you were driving a McLaren and, and beat a fellow named Nicky Lauda to the, uh, flat, to, the, to the checkered flag. That must have been pretty sweet. Well, I mean, Nicky and I have been teammates previously at Brabham, and then we were together at McLaren for two years. And, I mean, Nicky was a, obviously a two-time world champion when he came to McLaren, a great race driver. What Nicky's greatest strength was he was exceptionally good at creating the perfect environment for himself. <laughs> he didn't really give much consideration to me or any other teammate, but teams run as two-car teams, and the interests of the teams are to win, not necessarily to pander to one particular person in the team. And even though he is a two-time world champion, and he's called Nicky Lauder, if John Watson's doing a better job on the day, then tell Nicky to get his, you know, program together. <laughs> and look, over the three years that we raced together, and not a lot of people know this, we ended up with having the same number of total points over three seasons. Huh, how about that? That's a great stat. We want to we want to bring in an, uh, another future star here, Stingway uh, uh, Rob. Uh, have you met Stingray Rob? John? You know, we, had, we had a chat just before I came on air. So um, some of the things I was I've just said on air now, I said to Stingray, and one of them was don't feel that where you are on the grid has any reflection as to where you could end up uh, when the checkered flag comes out because street races are so unpredictable the key is just keeping yourself out of trouble and if you see somebody like a loose cannon coming down the inside all four wheels locked up and not slowing down, don't turn in across the front of them because it's going to cause an accident <laughs> <laughs> Stingray uh, we're, we're excited to have you here uh, uh, busy day for you, got a big uh, race coming up uh, this afternoon, but uh, pride of Idaho, right? That's uh, right. This is your, yeah. your rookie season. What do, you, what do you think of this track? 
Uh, I mean, it's a it's a track, and we're driving around it today. So <laughs> it's, a, it's actually it's actually a, a street. I, I use these streets all the time. <laughs> That's right. That, that makes more sense now. Yeah, I, we, I'm I, starting I, to I, get I, the picture. I don't go anywhere near 190 miles an hour <laughs> when I'm on these streets. Yeah, no, this track is very unique in the sense that I mean, it's a typical street course, uh, very bumpy. Lots of different aggregates, um, so you're, you're dealing with different surfaces from corner to corner. So that means different grip, grip levels, and uh, how you handle that is going to be uh, very effective during the race and uh, making the tires last or whatever else. And I think that uh, John said it best. You know, it's a matter of survival around this place. And as a competitor, it's kind of frustrating because you want to be on the limit all the time. You want to be pushing those guys around you and being able to, to fight for it. But um, I don't think today's going to be one of those days. But that's just it where the limit is is constantly changing absolutely when you're when you're going from asphalt to concrete and then there's more rubber laid down in certain places than others and then there's a bump in a certain spot boy that limit is variable and you have to know where the limit is at any given point right that that's a new challenge yeah absolutely and you're dealing with margins that are very small because there's concrete barriers around this place and so you're you're bouncing around in the car and then you're just trying to keep it between the lines and so it's more of a fact of, you know, you can go fast on, on tracks where they're bumpy and have room for air and kind of like, you know, fudge with the limit a little bit. Um, and then you come here and there's no there's no messing around. You go offline half a car width, you're in the wall. And so you see it in the in the Indy Next race and the other Trans Am series that's here and other, other various series. And uh, it's hard to go side by side because it's very, very tight, very technical. And then you have the bumps to deal with in the meantime with the low grip. And for all our uh, local Detroit folks, the IndyCar's suspension is a little bit stiffer than your typical SUV around here. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. John, you, uh, you came over here from uh, Europe. Uh, not a lot of street racing in Europe. There's uh, Monte Carlo, uh, uh, which is very famous, but uh, it's a little different over here. I mean, these guys are, are going from ovals to street courses to road courses uh, like Mid-Ohio. Uh, how did you find the racing over here uh, compared to Europe? Well, I always loved coming to race in North America. I don't know why. Maybe it's just simply I love coming to your country. And the first circuit I raced on was Watkins Glen. And I still feel that's one of my all-time favorite circuits. And for a Grand Prix car in that early 70s era, it was just everything you'd expect a Grand Prix circuit to be. Sadly, the Grand Prix doesn't, doesn't I think the last time I was there was 19, 1980. Goodness yeah. me, horrible thought. Yeah, yeah. Now, now, now you go to Austin, and, and you got two street courses on the schedule with Las Vegas and Miami. P- people love Formula One here. What, what's going on? Well, I, I'm assuming it's all to do with Drive to Survive. Netflix have produced a product, and it's captured the imagination. And what Netflix and Drive to Survive has achieved, I think, is actually putting the focus much more on the personalities, you know, the characters. I mean, there's a, a team manager of a team called Haas, an American Formula One team, Gunther Steiner. And Gunther Steiner's become one of the... I mean, he's probably up for an Academy Award, I suspect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, it's, it's incredible how uh, Drive to Survive has, has, uh, has inspired this place. John, we really appreciate your joining us today. Uh, congratulations on Grand Marshal, and, and, uh, and have fun out there. I'll do my best. And I will stay off the walls, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. Stingray, the, the uh, inspired by Drive to Survive, you guys in IndyCar are doing 100 days uh, to Indy. Yeah, uh, and we've gotten up close and uh, personal with you, uh, with with you guys. Uh, have, have you had uh, a little I camera not, hanging out with you? I have not had any uh, cameras in my shadow yet, um, but I, I've seen the previous episodes and they've done a very good job. You know, I think one thing that varies from other series like this is that you don't need to add drama to IndyCar. You know, <laughs> the product is good enough as itself. 
And so I think that was really cool to see is that they didn't over-dramatize it. They did it also, like John said, a very good job of telling the characters because there are so many characters in IndyCar. I mean, we have such a wide range of personalities and uh, just demographics. And, I mean, I think that when you put them all side by side, it just creates quite the contrast and it tells a, a good story. But you do have a very interesting story yourself. Being born and raised in Idaho, yeah. that is not the easiest place <laughs> to start a racing career. No. So that was something to overcome from a very early age. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think that I've said this many times, but it takes a village in order to be successful at this level. Um, and to even be here at this point, it, it takes a, a large support group. And so for myself, that was my family growing up. And, you know, I, I grew up, uh, obviously, with the name being Stingray. I, my parents were big Corvette fans. And so I was going to Corvette club meetings. I was going to the drag races, going to autocross events. But outside of that, there was no motorsports in our area. And so when I got into go-karting, we had a local quarter-mile track in Star, Idaho, that I kind of got my feet wet in, also driving around in our driveway <laughs> and uh, trying to avoid the curbs on our street and everything else. But um, we began traveling all over the country. And so my mom and my dad or my grandma and my grandpa, they would hop in the truck, and they would tote that trailer across the country, whether it would be you know northern Washington or down in Florida. You know, we were all over the place. And in the meantime, uh, I would travel to and from, flying to different events and trying to keep up with the trailer. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and, and here you are uh, uh, getting ready for this afternoon's uh, Detroit Grand Prix. It's it's great to have you here, and and uh, we really wish you luck this Thank afternoon you. and the rest of the season. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, Stingway Rob, uh, IndyCar driver. Coolest uh, name in IndyCar. Uh, coolest name in IndyCar, and uh, great to have him here on the streets of Detroit. Uh, we're going to take a break here, hear from our advertisers, and on the other, on the other side, more live Detroit Grand Prix from downtown. If you've been injured in a car, truck, or motorcycle accident, the insurance companies never want to pay. Hello? Listen, David, I'm telling you, we won't pay. No, I'm looking at the case right now, and you will pay. No, we won't. I'm absolutely no, positive we won't. that you will pay. No. Okay, that's it. No. When the insurance companies say they won't pay, I will make them pay you. Get the money you deserve at GetDavidGetPaid.com. Balance of nature is fruits and vegetables in a capsule. Changing the world one life at a time. I had no energy for months and months and months. I had no energy, and I'm a very active person. And my husband was noticing that I was tired all the time, and I was slow at everything that I was doing. And I kept listening to the commercials. And, you know, you don't know if something's going to help you or not. But I decided this was something I was going to do. And lo and behold, in about four days after taking them, I was repotting plants. I was doing other things. My husband said to me, you seem to have more energy. And I said, oh, yeah, I'm fine. And I'm telling you, nothing has ever made such a difference. So anyway, I'm very happy. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 1-800-2468-751 or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code RADIO5. Have you thought about advertising your business on our 9 to a.m. superstation? Our audience is bigger than ever, and your investment will be lower than ever. Find out how you can grow your business. Give us a call during business hours and ask for Henry, 248-357-4566. We will tell your story, and more folks than ever before will come to your door. 248-357-4566. Ask for Henry, the super audience at our 910 superstation, wants to hear about you. Call now. Attention! 
Do you owe back taxes, fines, and penalties to the IRS? The IRS now offers new relief options for taxpayers affected by COVID-19. But you can't go it alone. Call Tax Solutions now. Our team of former IRS agents and tax professionals can get you the best deal. We know the COVID-19 rules. Call us and never speak to the IRS again. I couldn't sleep. We were being audited. I called Tax Solutions now and a great big weight was lifted off my shoulders. I called Tax Solutions now and they got the IRS off my back. Tax Solutions now had my wage garnishment lifted in 48 hours. The virus has caused the IRS to take extensive action to help taxpayers. So if you owe $10,000 or more, this is the best time in years to settle your tax debt. I qualified for the Fresh Start program. I paid less than I owed. Remember, the IRS will not give up until you pay. Call Welcome back into 910 AM, the Superstation. You're on Car Radio. We are live from the Detroit Grand Prix uh, in downtown Detroit, and we're joined now by the winner of, uh, of this morning's uh, Trans Am race, Thomas Annunziata. And a uh, pretty wild race out there, Thomas. First of all, uh, you're uh, what, you driving a Mustang? Yeah. So we had a, we had the appropriate music there coming uh, yeah. <laughs> into the segment. Yeah, we uh, kudos to our producer there. He, got, he had the right tune. Um, uh, tell us about this race. It was wild. Yeah, it was wild. I, I knew the uh, I knew the intensity would would pick up in this race as well. Um, we started ninth, so we had a lot of work to do um, from the beginning. But we had a really good short run car. So in the first couple laps, we picked up six, seven positions, and we got up to around third. And I was we were catching the leaders at first, and then we kind of stalled out a little bit. And not much happened after that um, for a little bit. So um, we kind of stalled there, and I was just waiting for a caution because. Uh, I wasn't going to win the race um, if it stayed green, but I, we were going to take a trophy home. And then uh, there was a caution, and they, they, they let us go back green with a two, lap, two laps to go. Um, and from there, it was just crazy. It, was, it just got all bottled up. We're all out of breaks going into turn two. Everyone wants to win. It was crazy. So uh, the door opened for us, and uh, I took it and took home my first victory. Explain what you mean a little bit more about having a good short-run car. You needed that yellow to cool the tires down a little bit and make that effort, or is there some other aspect of the car that likes the shorter runs? Um, well, we, we changed the setup from yesterday. So yesterday we were terrible in the short runs, but we were really good in the long runs. So we changed the, we completely changed the car, um, and this time it was really good in the short runs, and then it kind of fell off in the long runs. As the run went on, uh, we started pushing the tires. The front tires are starting to melt. The brakes are starting to melt. Um, and I just couldn't get any rotation. But um, we got to cool it down there at the, with, the, with the caution. And everything was, was handling-wise, everything was good after that. So Gotcha. Yeah, that's really fascinating. And it's always it's a good reminder that uh, a race car is a very fluid machine. It, it will feel great one day and terrible the next. And it's all these different weather conditions or different tracks, different payments, whatever, and it can make a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah, and you, I mean, this is your first Trans Am uh, victory uh, today. You had a race yesterday. Uh, to Robin's point, how did, how did you, uh, um, how did you adapt the car from yesterday to today? Did you make any major changes? Um, we made a, a pretty big change with the rear. Um, 
Yeah, it, it, yesterday we the, in the short runs we couldn't get the front to turn at all. And as the long runs went on, we were actually starting to catch the leaders. But um, short runs we were really bad. We were just, just had a hope not to get eaten up by the rest of the field. So we knew with this track and, and the nature of this track, there's always a lot of cautions. There's a lot of things going on. So we needed to be good in those restarts. So we we made a change. We changed the brand completely, uh, completely changed it. And my teammate who won yesterday had that setup. So we went to his setup, which was completely opposite to what we had, and uh, it really worked for the first couple laps. So um, it was just an overall better package than it was yesterday. Yeah. I mean, anything can happen, as you say, on these street courses. I, I was preparing for the show and, and, and was watching uh, <laughs> uh, uh, was it Brent uh, Cruz and, and Austin Green fighting it out for first. And the next thing I know, there's two two entirely different guys at the, <laughs> at the, uh, the top. But uh, Trans Am means a lot to this town. I mean, going all the way to, to uh, Roger Penske, who cut his teeth in Trans Am, uh, 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 won his first titles in, in Trans Am. I mean, it's really cool to have you guys here as one of the support races with IndyCar. Uh, do, do you kind of you feel that vibe? You, you, you feel like uh, Detroit is a, is a, a V8 kind of place? Yeah, it was, it, was, <laughs> it was crazy. The track characteristics are wild, and it really, it really makes these things very difficult to drive, but that's what makes it fun. But, yes, this event was huge. You had IndyCar here. You had all the big names here, all the big brands. Everything about this race was huge, and... I knew to have a good outcome here, we it really helped us in the points, and it it, it just it's a cool story to win here as for my first ever win, and probably one of the biggest events for Trans Am the entire year. It's unbelievable, and it's a day I'll never forget. It's it's quite honestly it's amazing. Yeah, it's a it's a bumpy track. There's a lot of pavement changes as we talked about, but on top of all that, you've got a lot of power. The V8s that you mentioned, Henry. Uh, they sound fantastic, but a lot of top power, but not tons of grip. So was this the most careful you had to be with your right foot? Yeah, and especially with the bumps. You had to, you had to go over the bumps with uh, – there's a whole art to it, right? I mean, you go over the bumps, and then you, you have wheel spin where you really shouldn't. Or, like, even the last corner, there's a bump in the apex where it slants down, so you have to change your line and, and maybe use some brake on the apex. or just – there's a pattern for really every corner. There was a technique for every corner – and it was so crucial to get the practice down uh, and on Friday just to, to get used to all that and uh, really start laying down some laps. But I think this, is, this was the event that really separated the talent pool and, and drivers because you could really see um, the drivers who exceeded here, uh, they adapted better and they adapted well to the conditions. And it was just, it's, a, it's a great event, and the track really, really tested us. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to Thomas Merrill, uh, who I think has been leading in the points in Trans Am. Pretty sure, yeah. Yeah, made the same uh, point a couple of days ago. He said, yeah, you come to a new track like this, a bumpy track, and it really separates the men's, men from the boys. So, mm -hmm. real testament uh, that you're able to run up front. Uh, you, you and I actually have uh, more more in common than you know. I, I, I race a lot with SVRA uh, in in, uh, in a two liter class. I'm mean, <laughs> half the number of cylinders that uh, <laughs> these guys are racing. But Tony, Tony Perella owns both uh, SVRA. SVRA and, and Trans Am, and uh, and has, has really brought together uh, these the, the the vintage and the uh, and the V8 worlds in, in a great way. Uh, you, you guys uh, you guys see a lot of different tracks uh, going around this uh, country. Uh, racing, um, uh, I, I race some of them uh, with you as a as a support race in this in the Sports 2000 uh, series. What do you like? You like a little bit of everything, or do you prefer? Uh, the, the the big road courses. Um, 
I actually prefer these kind of tracks. Ever, so ever since I raced go-karts, you'd have, um, you know, the normal racetracks, and then you'd have things like Super Nats or Vegas, if you guys know what that is. It's the biggest go-kart race there is, and it's in between walls. You're in a parking lot, and it's in between walls. And whenever we go to tracks like those, I always found myself adapting quicker than other drivers there because it's a track that no one's been to. And so it, it all comes down to how good of a driver you are and how quickly you can adapt to the conditions. And I feel like it's the same thing here as well. I've, I've also ran some street circuits in the MX-5 Cup Series in IMSA, and it's been the same uh, throughout my career. I just, I've, I'm able to get um, the street circuits down faster than other drivers can. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a good history. I mean, you, you came up through the junior ranks. Uh, did you, do you ever get uh, some street course experience? No, I didn't. The closest thing I got to a street course in terms of bumps and those kinds of is Sebring. And uh, and uh, Sebring certainly has. I think that's worse than a street course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Isn't Sebring worse than this place? It's damn close. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, the idea to have walls around you constantly is uh, certainly a challenge, and especially in a go-kart, which doesn't even have seatbelts, no. let alone all the other things like metal and things to protect you if something were to go wrong. So not only do you have to learn the course quickly, you have to, you can't, be a blunt instrument about finding the limit. You have to be pretty ginger because if you go over too far, that would hurt. Yep. Thomas, where do you? So, uh, I mean, you're you're obviously doing well in Trans Am. Uh, uh, first uh, win of the year. Uh, more big things to come. Uh, where do, do you uh, do you look to race uh, race in IMSA as well? Where do you? Uh, uh, where else do you want to race? Um, well, I'm doing the MX-5 Cup uh, season. Oh, Mazda, awesome. right? Mazda gave me money for this year to to race for them. Um, so we're looking to do good in that series, and you know you have a lot of GT3 series. You got a lot of prototype guys that are watching that, and uh, if we do well enough, we'll get hopefully get picked up and and run in some bigger uh, categories in IMSA. But I'm also doing late model racing, so I'm doing this uh, Trans Am. I'm doing late model racing and a whole lot more next year because I'm also trying to go down the NASCAR route. Um, so my plan B is more racing. So if IMSA doesn't work, I'm going NASCAR. If NASCAR doesn't work, I'm going IMSA. But overall, it's been going really well for us this year, so I'm super excited for the future holds. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, that's a, that's, I mean, there's a lot of uh, a lot of variety out here. In, absolutely. In yeah, absolutely there is. And, you know, it's, it's interesting how you can pick apart the differences and the similarities between the two different series because, you know, NASCAR, people's first thought might be, oh, you're a road course specialist, but... You might actually just be really adept at dealing with a lot of horsepower and not a lot of grip. Yeah, it's it just comes down with discipline. Ever since I was a kid, uh, I'd race go karts, right, and we'd, I'd run two classes, different engines, different categories, different tires. Uh, as soon as I came back, came up into racing, like last year, I was racing Spec Miata uh, when I first started. Then I went to the Spec MX-5 Challenge, which is a whole totally different discipline. Um, I also was testing TA2 cars at the time last year. Uh, MX-5 Cup cars I was also testing. I did some legend car racing. And all that just really, really uh, calluses you and, and helps you build up a discipline uh, to adapt to other race cars. And Well, it's a pretty big gap between a legends car yeah. and a TA2 car. And I know. real quick, a TA2 is basically the SCCA-class version of Trans Am. Yeah, I, I mean, it's an awesome, it's an awesome class. Uh, I mean, there's a, there's a TA1 class, but it tends to be... Uh, but not not as well populated as TA2. I mean, you you guys are really the show when it comes in Trans Am and and uh, 
Thomas and Nunziano, you, you and I are going to be at uh, Circuit of Americas in November, I think. Yes, yes, I'll be there. Racing, I'll be down there in my little uh, Lola. So look forward to seeing you down there, and, and uh, good, <laughs> good luck the, race, the rest of the year. That's awesome. I'll, I'll see you there in a few months. <laughs> All right. Yeah, have a, have a, uh, have a, have a great uh, season, and uh, we'll, I hope to see you soon. Appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. All right, we're going to take a break here, hear from our advertisers, and more live from the Detroit Grand Prix on 9:10 a.m. and we return. Did you know most vitamin supplements don't even come from food? Even the products with colorful fruits and vegetables adorning the labels are seldom derived from produce. Typically, supplements are synthetic, made in a laboratory. Modern science may synthetically imitate these chemicals, but your body isn't fooled. It knows the difference, and it craves quality materials to build, repair, and fight illness. You need to consume fruits and vegetables daily in a variety of colors, as well as whole grains and other fresh foods. That's why I formulated Balance of Nature. I wanted to be able to give my patients a natural alternative to the cheap, unnatural chemistry by giving them real fruits and vegetables. In fact, the only ingredients inside of Balance of Nature are whole fruits and vegetables. Don't settle for imitation nutrition. Reach for the good stuff, the real stuff. Call 1-800-246-8751 or go to balanceofnature.com. Get 35% off your first preferred order by using discount code RADIO5. The all-new 910 Superstation is your number one source for urban talk radio. If you're looking for the best in radio programming, look no further. You can now listen in on a multitude of audio platforms. We're on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Buzzsprout, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Listen Notes, and coming soon to Amazon Music, Good Pods, and Overcast. 910 AM Superstation, the largest, strongest, 50,000-watt urban radio station in town. 910 AM Superstation has the greatest advertising deal ever with our Godfather package. 100 spots for $600 with a must-air-within-30-day policy, and we will even produce the spots free. That's right, free. Call Devin C. now at 248-357-4566. That's 248-357-4566. Or email at d.calhoun at thewordnetwork.org. This excludes political ads. WADL gets a facelift and is now My 38 Detroit. Along with a facelift comes new programs on Mondays at 8 p.m. Catch a two-hour block of Law & Order SVU. Tuesdays, Chicago Fire. Wednesdays, Dateline. More Dateline and Chicago PD on Thursdays and on Fridays. You'll get more Chicago PD to start your weekend. We'll still have some of your favorite shows like Mom, Blackish, and Friends. Just adding more for you to enjoy on My 38. The Word Network has been broadcasting inspirational messages around the world since the year 2000. And we keep getting bigger and better and more innovative. Seen all around the world, we bring you the best teaching, impartation, singing, and inspiration. If you want original programming, we have that too. The Word Network is your exclusive source for all things inspiration. And we can be found on every device imaginable. If you want to be uplifted and inspired, you need The Word Network.
Welcome back into 910 AM Superstation. We are live on the uh, car radio show here at the Detroit Grand Prix, uh, lead, uh, taking you right up to the uh, in the uh, car Grand Prix this afternoon. Uh, the green flag uh, drops at uh, at 3:30 p.m. and there will be a pre-race uh, show here starting uh, at, at about 2:30 uh, p.m. So we'll take you right up. Uh, to, to the broadcast, uh, this is Henry Payne, Detroit News, joined by Robin Warner, War, Robin Warner uh, YouTube channel. And uh, Robin, uh, it, I mean, it's exciting to uh, to talk to all these folks about this race. There's there's clearly uh, a lot of buzz uh, going on uh, uh, going on here about bringing this race back to Detroit yeah. uh, for the first time. The Penske organization uh, has done an incredible job, as they always do, in putting this. Uh, uh, putting this thing together, but uh, but but what are you what are you hearing? You've been out in the you've been out in the in the in the pits, the paddock, talking to a lot of folks. Uh, is are are the drivers pleased with the track? Yeah, I think so. I you know there's there was a lot of love that grew uh, uh, over time for the Belle Isle track, and and that includes myself. I really grew to appreciate the details of the layout, the uniqueness of everything. But there were limitations to that place, and this was the way as IndyCar expanded for Detroit Grand Prix to expand with it. And I think that we're seeing the benefits of that in a street course that's right dead center in the heart of downtown Detroit. You know, the Rensen, the iconic Detroit building, is literally where the media center is and where a lot of interviews are going on because it's that close and we get to see all the nuances that made uh, Belle Isle special we see that in spades here right in downtown where you get that like rough Detroit grit but there's still a lot of speed potential here there's good passing opportunities it is a big big challenge and we have new, unique things to deal with with that split pit lane. That's that's a novel idea, as uh, Kelvin mentioned at the top of the show. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of just really interesting story points that we're going to get to follow throughout the event. And I think it's going to be a fantastic race. And the weather doesn't hurt either. We have great weather, too. Yeah, the weather's really been perfect here. Uh, this weekend, and you know, as uh, we, we, you and I have been following this for months, as they put the track uh, together, uh, you know, and you say, okay, you know, the the it's going to be cool uh, to have cars going 190 miles an hour down Jefferson Avenue, and where are the potential passing uh, zones? But then, then the race arrives, and you're reminded. Uh, just how big, just how fast Indy cars are. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they are, and 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 I drive, I drive Jefferson Avenue frequently, and you and you hear oh three lanes of uh, Jefferson Avenue. Uh, that's a wide track. With yeah. these guys, it's not. I mean, you're <laughs> right. doing 190 miles an hour in in these in these Indy cars, open wheel Indy cars. That's actually not a whole lot of room. Yeah, that's right. Because I mean, I if I remember correctly. 190 miles an hour is at least five miles an hour faster than you go down Jefferson. Isn't that right, Henry? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I go the speed limit. <laughs> Which is 185. Yeah, these guys are breaking the speed limit. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, at, at those speeds, with those very distinct concrete barriers, 
right at the edges. Yeah, it, it it becomes very narrow, very fast, and we have you have to be inch perfect with braking zones and hitting the apex. I mean, that's we saw that reality hit a lot of drivers where they turned in a little bit too much and hit the inside wall, not the outside wall, hit the inside wall, turning into a corner. And boy, the mechanics have been busy with suspension work. Yeah, no, that, that was interesting. Again, you, you, I mean, these are pretty tough cars. Uh, uh, they're 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 tougher cars than Formula One cars. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you, you hit a you hit a wall at 80 miles an hour, and anything it's going to do damage. A and concrete wall. A concrete wall. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, that, and that was a, that was a, an interesting problem yesterday. It was more the inside wall in turn seven that was catching these guys out. Uh, as as opposed to hitting walls on exits so much. Yeah, I I, I tell you, I, I, the the uh, that little complex uh, that we're talking about, they 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 call it a chicane here. Really, it looks like S's to me. Yeah. But uh, the way these these as fat, quick as these cars are, it's really a chicane in the six seven complex, which brings you uh, up. Uh, in, into the Winter Garden area alongside the Rensen uh, is, is really a, a pretty tricky piece of, of track. Uh, but again, uh, in a, in a, in a, in a streetcar, you look at that and say, oh, if you did that complex well, that would set you up for a pass into turn eight. I mean, here, these cars are just too fast. Yeah, too fast and really, really stiff. You know, uh, Kelvin and I think Jim as well uh, at the top of the show were both talking about how important it was to get the dampers, the shock absorbers, to work just so because you have to make sure that the car handles the big bumps in the road without getting super jittery and bouncy. And generally, the stiffer the car goes, the easier it is for it to stay flat and use all the rubber. But if it's too stiff, it doesn't go over the bumps well, and all of a sudden... You're not using all the rubber because your car's off the ground. <laughs> You're not using any of the rubber. So you have to have that compliance to be able to handle the different bumps at the different places but still keep the car as stiff as possible um, otherwise. So it's, it's a massive challenge. Yeah, and, and, uh, and, and the drivers enjoy the challenge. I mean, you, you talk to these guys, and they really, they, they, they really appreciate the variety of circuits that they get to uh, race on. But I must say, I, I think this is the first time I've heard drivers say they have no aero grip on, yeah. on a track. Yeah, you yeah. Know? I mean, they're just, they're no, there are no corners here that are fast enough for the, for the wings to really work. Yeah, and that is fascinating. So they're still getting a lot of aero help in the braking zones, yeah. especially down at the end of Jefferson. But we're dealing with a lot more what, what's commonly known as mechanical grip as opposed to aerodynamic grip. And that's the lower speed stuff where you're really solely relying on the grip of the tire, not the air pushing the car down further for you. And, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a really unique experience because an IndyCar especially – so often is mostly dependent on aero grip, not mechanical grip. So to kind of flip the script on these guys is a welcome change. And I think it's, I, I have to just, we should pat ourselves on the back. That's a very Detroit thing, and I think we should be proud of that. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and uh, yeah, tremendous, uh, yeah, tremendous to see this track come together. The sight lines are spectacular uh, with the Rensen. 
uh, in the backdrop. And I think a much more accessible uh, uh, track to folks, uh, you know, who want to spend a little time downtown a restaurant and then kind of just walk right over to a, a grandstand. So, so a lot more uh, fan fan friendly uh, here, particularly over on Jefferson Avenue. I, I wanted to get uh, a little bit to, um, to to the race this afternoon. Uh, Alex Pillow uh, yeah. putting, uh, speaking of, of variety, he put 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 his. Uh, a uh, car on pole is going to ask the car on pole at uh, Indy, and now he's put it on pole at the street course. He did, and he did it with, uh, a, a, in, by any car standards, a pretty comfortable margin, you know, about three-tenths of a second, which, you know, is actually quite tight. Usually these guys are no more than a tenth of a second apart from each other, and after you get to Pelot, it does tighten right up. There's a lot of people in the sub-205 Two six market. You got to go um, through the top six before you're much past two two point five. But Palau uh, really just put in a banger of a lap and averaged more than ninety five miles an hour average speed yeah. around here, and that's quite quite impressive. Yeah, talented kid, and and uh, you know you're you're really seeing this new new generation coming to the fore. Although. There you got forty-year-old Scott Dixon right there and uh, starting fourth today. Uh, Robin, let's uh, let's take a break here uh, at, at the top of the hour. Uh, we're live at the Detroit Grand Prix. Um, uh, on the other side of the hour, we may have an IndyCar uh, driver for you, or we may have uh, uh, another couple guests coming in. We'll uh, we'll find out. Yeah, when I we love get it. There. Yeah, uh, we'll be we'll be right right back around nine ten a.m. have an idea for an invention or new product? Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Then call InventHelp now. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential and explains every step of the invention process. We create professional materials representing your idea and submit it to companies who are looking for new ideas. We have more than 9,000 companies who have agreed to review ideas in confidence. If a company shows interest in manufacturing your invention, we can negotiate on your behalf. We have helped over 10,000 clients receive patents. We also offer services including 3D modeling and animation demonstrating your idea, prototyping services, and we use state-of-the-art technology to show InventHelp client ideas to additional companies. Join the thousands of people just like you who chose InventHelp to pursue their idea. We are experienced. We are working for you. We are InventHelp. Call us for free information at 1-800-460-1663. That's 1-800-460-1663. Again, 1-800-460-1663. My 38 is offering a great special that cannot be refused. Are you looking for a great deal on TV advertising? Are you searching for an avenue to get your 